show with your host, Craig Allen. If you're tired of seeing the media cater to the far right or the far left, if you're sick of talking points from the extremes, if you would rather hear about ways America could get along, then you're listening to your new favorite guide from the political void, also known as the middle of America politics. Let's join our host for an entertaining look at politics. Here's Craig Allen. And thank you, Will J, for that brilliant announcement. And thank you one and all for joining us for our first real show of the Lefty Lucy Righty Tidy a Texan Caught in the Middle. I am your host, Craig Allen, and thank you again for joining us. On this new show, we are going to talk about what is good about America and how we can all get along. We're not going to talk about hard politics from the extreme right or extreme left and how we can tear each other apart. We're going to try to figure out how we can get together and come together and talk to each other rather than tear at each other and scream and fight. And in this episode, we're going to talk about the election. We're going to talk about how it's going to affect us in 2024. We're going to talk about some congressional and senatorial elections. And we're going to talk about how that's going to affect everything going forward in the next 12 to 18 months. We're also going to talk about our great American hero segment and a great president that we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about our uniter, not divider that I hinted at in the introductory podcast, and that is Joe Manchin. Yippee! And now he has tried to figure out a way to unite our country yes. in the last few years. In our poli-sci for the normal guy segment, we're going to talk about this election, and that is going to be the focus of it. We're going to talk about how presidential elections work, how congressional elections work, senatorial elections, and so forth. And we're going to talk about important ones and some others that we can identify that might affect us going into the future. We're going to talk about the person who inspires us and in the Inspire and Admire segment of the week, we're going to talk about Representative Dean Phillips, a Democrat from the state of Minnesota, yeah! who has a come together message for us regarding this terrible war in Israel that has come about due to the terrible and atrocious terrorist attacks from Hamas. And we're going to talk about his a message that came to us uh, this week. We're also going to talk about some other fun and funny segments, as well as our tinfoil hat segment of the week. So stay with us. That's coming up next. Without further ado, we'll get right into it with our Uniter Not Divider segment. We are going to feature Joe Manchin as our first Uniter Not Divider of the Week. Now, he is not just our Uniter Not Divider of the Week. He's probably our Uniter Not Divider of the last month or the last year even, or maybe even the last two years, because he has tried to work together across bipartisan lines, across party lines. And he's been one of the few who's been willing to do this and who's tried to do this. Wow, he is right the man. senator from the great state of West Virginia. He was elected several times over the last few years to represent that state. He has not been afraid to stand up to President Biden, despite the fact that he is a Democrat. He is a fairly conservative Democrat from that state. And he has preached not only independence for himself, yes. being willing to stand up as a Democrat and face his own party, Yahoo! but independence for our country, the stand up for itself. It goes all the way back to 2013 when he stood up against the party at the time 
who was pushing for us to give up our military to United Nations control, and he stood against that. He has stood for the protection of the Senate filibuster in recent times so that there was no tyranny of the majority in the Senate, a rule in the Senate that has stood for over 100 years. (gasps) Most recently, as I alluded to earlier, there's been a terrible war in Israel, but because of the Hamas attacks and the atrocities that were committed, uh, he has stood up with great support for Israel. And we need to stand by Israel because we don't want terrorists having power anywhere in the world. No! No matter what, terrorism should not be supported. No! And he stood firmly behind Israel with some backing from his party, but with some people in his face, some people pushing against him not to stand up for Israel. There were other bipartisan lawmakers who he has worked with on both sides to stop money laundering, as an example, through different types of currency. He has stood up against drug traffickers. He stood up against all different types of crime. He has also pushed most recently to reinstate the Senate dress code. Now, I don't want our senators looking like a bunch of people who maybe roaming the streets and unshaved and wearing hoodies and shorts and whatever else to the Senate floor. (laughs) We ought to dress like we mean business. I dressed every day when I came into work as a business person to mean business and I made great deals. Great deals for my customers, great deals for me. But I looked like I meant business. I looked serious. And when we go in wearing a hoodie and a bunch of silly stuff, we don't look like we mean business. When you're dressing to represent the greatest country in the world, the biggest country in the world, on the world stage, we should be dressing appropriately and reaching across the aisle to Mitt Romney. They work together to reinstate the Senate dress code. He's also worked in his state for safer drinking water, and he had money put into the infrastructure bill working through a bipartisan way. Mm. He had money put into the infrastructure code to help get clean water in his state. He's also worked to protect consumers. In a most recent legislation, he has worked to help consumers who buy cars through some FTC legislation. And he's also helped to protect the safety of healthcare workers through bipartisan legislation. In other words, what are we seeing with his bipartisan work? Is he working for the Democratic Party or is he working for us as people? Is he working for West Virginians? Is he working for the United States consumer or the United States citizen as a whole? I think you will see that he does not represent his party. He represents the United States citizen, the West Virginia citizen. And that's the type of person that we need in office. We don't need a bunch of political hacks. We don't need a bunch of people who are working for money from PACs, political action committees, from people who are just paying them to be there and do their political bidding. We need somebody like him who isn't afraid to stand up, be independent, and work for the consumer, for the citizen, for the healthcare worker, for the educational system, for those in need of his help. Most recently, he has come out against the firing and removing of Kevin McCarthy as House Speaker. Even though Kevin McCarthy is a Republican, (gasps) he has come out against that despite being a Democrat. He called it a political crime, the 
far right of the Republican Party worked with the left of the Democratic Party, the far left, to remove Kevin McCarthy as House Speaker. <gasps> and it was a political crime. The reason why they removed him is because Kevin McCarthy worked across the aisle and tried to get something done in a bipartisan fashion. We need to stop persecuting people for trying to do that. We have to have some bipartisan agreement in this country or nothing will ever get done here. The first thing I learned in political science was that there is a place called the commons. And if you wanna think of it as a park, if you wanna think of it as a city park and you are the citizen of the city, how will you share the city park? What if there were no laws or rules and we just let anything go? How would you as a citizen go into that city park and live or let your children play there or you go there and read a book and sit on the bench and feed the pigeons? You couldn't do any of that stuff because the city park would be overrun with people selling drugs there, homelessness there, all sorts of crimes happening there. Instead, the city park is controlled by certain types of laws to help keep it safe for feeding the pigeons and watching the birds and hiking and different things that allow it to be safe for all to use. And that is what Joe Manchin tries to do with our country. He tries to help the average citizen be able to go about their business of the day. And he stops helping the political hacks with their yes! extreme political agendas. And that's what we all have to do. Yes, We don't want the city park to become a place overrun by crime lords or the mafia or some other kind of crime agenda. We want the city park to be a safe place for all to be able to use. And that's what he does. Among some of the many other things that put Joe Manchin on my list was that he has stood up to both Donald Trump and Joe Biden. Mm -hmm. He stood up to both parties. He's tried to make things work for the average person and not for a political party. Most recently, he's been pushed to run for president. But when asked about running for president, he has said, I am not going to risk to jeopardize my country, the damage that we can do to our country for me to run for president. And that is thinking of country over self. And what other kind of uniter could we have than to have someone who is willing to do that? So I praise Joe Manchin as a uniter, not a divider, because he works to salve the agreements and have us work together to try to solve problems. He does take sides. And sometimes being a uniter means taking a side because you're trying to work for the betterment of all. And that is what a uniter is. Sometimes one side has to win. The losing side has to see, wow, that was really better for all of us. Uh, there was a lot of people against the Americans for Disabilities Act. They thought it would be bad for business. Fast forward 30 years, and we now realize that the laws in that ADA worked for the betterment of business. It's allowed more customers to come in. There were disabled customers that were not able to be reached. You've actually increased your customer base. Yeah! by the ADA. So there's a lot of good things that have come out of working together in this country and we need to work together more often. So let's talk about what's coming up next. We're going to talk about our greatest American hero segment and our first greatest American hero that I will highlight will be a valued and trusted American president who was my hero growing up, 
and I will tell you more about him coming up next right after this short break. Welcome back, and thank you for listening to Lefty Lucy Righty Tidy, a Texan caught in the middle. I'm your host, Craig Allen, and this show is about American unity, which is needed right now more than ever. With foreign wars and terrorism and turmoil here in our country, inflation at a high point, foreign wars spreading turmoil, we want to spread unity. We want to spread a positive message, and we want to talk about the good things that our country has been known for will be known for and the good things that it can do not only here but around the world and getting right into our next segment our greatest american hero segment we want to honor one of our greatest american heroes our former president ronald reagan ronald wilson reagan was elected in 1980 he was a former california governor and he was swept in in an election when inflation was high the cost of gas was high we had stagnant economy, we had a president who was struggling, we had problems in the Middle East, and we had a Democrat in the White House. All sound familiar. Well, guess what? (laughs) President Reagan swept in, and with tax cuts in 1981, and with the economic growth that followed, it would go on to become the greatest economic progress in world history. He was liked by both parties. He began to have a group of Democrats, about 30 of them in the House, that voted with him almost every single time. And they became known as the Reagan Democrats. And that economic growth can be traced all the way from 1981 until the housing bust of 2008, even through the terror attacks of 9-11. He was known for many great things. The Nuclear Arms Reduction Acts and the treaties that he signed with Gorbachev, who was the leader of the Soviet Union. It led to world peace that 
had endured until now. We haven't had any world war since the 1940s. It also led to the eventual fall of the Berlin Wall and the end of the Cold War. Um, he also nominated our first female Supreme Court justice. During a terrible situation where some air traffic controllers decided to test his medal as president, they decided to strike. And they kept striking, deciding that he was not going to be strong enough to stand up against them. And in a strong, bold move, he fired him and hired a bunch of new air traffic controllers to take his place, thinking he wouldn't do it. And he did. And it showed that he was going to stand up for what was right for our economy and for our American government. And he withstood that strong opposition. He sent a rescue mission into Grenada to help Americans who were stranded there. He was strong enough and resilient enough to do that. And within a few hours, our American uh, military rescued hostages there. He spread an anti-drug message along with his wife that helped reduce drug abuse in this country. Yes! Nancy Reagan's Just Say No message spread throughout the land and he worked to try and reduce drug usage in this country, much better than this president. Uh. President Reagan had a strong record on terror and against terrorism. On April 14, 1986, as an example, he authorized a launch of airstrikes against Libya in retaliation for several Libyan sponsorships of terror attacks some dating back as far as 1973, but some as late as 1985. Muammar Gaddafi had done several things to back terrorism. In December 1985, as an example, five American citizens were killed in terrorist attacks in Rome and Vienna airports. And Libya was blamed by President Ronald Reagan and ordered sanctions and Libyan assets froze. But when he had had enough, he had had enough. He said that was it. And he ordered these attacks and he went on TV to say he had had enough. And after this, we didn't have any terrorism for a really long time. Yes. Because as long as Reagan and Bush were president, the terrorists knew not to strike against us. When Reagan went on TV to talk about the terrorist response, this is what he said. When our citizens are abused or attacked anywhere in the world, we will respond in self-defense. Today, we have done what we had to do. If necessary, we shall do it again. And people knew that when Reagan said what he said, he meant business. And that is what Ronald Reagan stood for, his word. A strong enough message that we didn't have any really strong terror acts until 9-11. He actually worked to bring peace in the Middle East that led to a peace that could have happened during the Clinton administration, but Clinton took his foot off the gas and ignored it and let it go, and ultimately to the problems that we had during 9-11. <sighs> he brought down spending on everything except the military and made the military such a strength that it brought down the fall of the Soviet Union, which of course led to end of the Cold War. He also re-elected with the largest landslide in US history, aside from George Washington's election. And 
that showed how well he was loved by both sides. It showed the unity that this country had behind him, a unity that no president has had before or since in this last century. He had a network of economic people that helped him that led to economic growth for poor families. More than 20% growth in pay for poor families. The GNP grew by more than 20% while he was president. Unemployment fell by more than 2% while he was president. Inflation dropped by more than 10% while he was president. Interest rates fell while he was president. And he put a new face on the Republican Party, a face of optimism, a face of economic growth, a face of we can do it. Yes. A message that has since disappeared. And I would like to see that come back. He also did not take a strong right wing side, even though we think of him as a conservative president. He really wasn't. He He reached across the aisle. He worked with Democrats. One of his best friends was the Speaker of the House in the House of Representatives at the time, who was a Democrat, Tip O'Neill. They both honored and respected each other, and they worked together to solve our problems. Just imagine if our Democratic Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, had been best friends with Donald Trump. Ooh. What could have been done? Or imagine now if we had a Republican Speaker of the House. Imagine if that Speaker of the House could be friends with Joe Biden. (gasps) What could be done in this country? So those are many reasons why I admire and respect Ronald Reagan. As a kid growing up during the Reagan presidency, I remember sitting in front of the TV and watching him give his speeches, give his talks to America. And he spoke to us like he was one of our best friends just sitting in our living room. And before he became president, I didn't pay any attention to politics. I didn't sit in front of the TV and watch anybody talk. He was just a different guy. He had a different way of speaking and he could get your attention. He made you want to listen to him. He had such a positive message. He made you feel good about yourselves and about America. And that is the type of leader that we need again. He was free to work across the aisle. And one of the things that I most respect about him is there was a move by conservative Republicans to try and put taxes on some of the quote unquote sins of America. It was a sin tax. They were gonna put a a tax on cigarettes and smoking various ways. And they were going to put uh, cigars and the like, and they were gonna put a tax on different types of alcohol, wine, beer and the like. And they were gonna put a tax on some other different materials, reading materials and things like that. And Reagan pushed back on the tax on beer. He said, beer is for the working man and he wasn't going to tax the working men. And just one of the many ways that I respect and admire Ronald Reagan. And we need a leader more like him. If we had a leader that pushed out a positive message, that reached out to everyone, that reached out to the Democrats, that could have a friend as a Democrat and wasn't afraid to call a Democratic friend. Right now, the Democrats are so afraid to even call a Republican a friend and vice versa. And that is sad. It's degrading in our times. 
and we need to see that again. Ronald Reagan is a hero because he had Democrats as friends and friends in the media and friends who didn't agree with him. And yet they could get along because he could talk with them, they could talk with him, and they respected each other. That is what is lost in this country. We need to work to bring that back. And speaking of that, let's move on to our next segment. And our inspire and admire moment of the week, it came from Representative Dean Phillips, a Democrat from Minnesota. I happen to be watching CNN. I skip around. I watch CNN. I watch MSNBC. I watch Fox News. I watch a lot of different sources. I listen to NPR. I turn it over and I watch PBS. I don't get my news from just one source. And the reason I do that is because if you get it from just one source, they're going to try and focus you to one way and they're going to try to get you to hate the other side. And there is no reason for that. So don't try to just get your news and your information from one source. Go around, listen to different ways. We can all have different ideas and take different sides. We don't have to all pick one ideology, go down that one ideology and say, this is all I believe. My dad believed all sorts of different things and I respected my dad for it. But this is what Representative Dean Phillips said that made me admire him and call him a uniter and call him our admire and inspire moment of the week. He was talking about this terrible Israel war with Hamas that Israel is having to bring down on Hamas because of the atrocities that Hamas committed on the Israeli people uh, this past week. And in talking about it, he began to talk about our country and he began to talk about the disunion in our country, the dysfunction in our country, how our country is in trouble in the rest of the world, not because we don't do things right or not because we don't operate correctly or not because our military is not great or not because we don't have a strong economy or not because, but because we don't get along, but because we are not united because we don't speak with one voice. And whatever we do, we need to speak with one voice. The one thing that Biden, President Biden, has done right in the last week is get behind Israel and speak with one voice and say, we are with you, Israel. Now, there's some little things around it that he should do better, but he did speak with one voice and say, we are behind you, Israel. So this is what he said in regards to our country He said, our dysfunction is dangerous. Until we get our act together, it is gonna be hard for us. By the way, Russia, China, Iran, North Korea, they are allying and they want us to fail. I would ask that thoughtful Americans on both sides of the aisle come together, stop the nonsense and come together. It is existential. We have a choice to make for our children and our grandchildren, and the choices will be made in the coming days. And by the way, he has asked President Biden not to run for office again. He does not believe that he is capable of holding office again. He is a Democrat, but he has asked President Biden not to run again. He has actually stepped down from leadership in the House because of this. He says he was not forced to. He says he was not asked to. But I admire someone who understands the situation, who understands that President Biden is failing, that he is elderly, that he is showing his inability to run our country, 
and that he is yes! not doing what he's supposed to do. And I think that it is critical for our country to unite and join together. And President Biden has not delivered on that promise that he made. And I believe that we should get behind people like Representative Dean Phillips, who stands behind what he believes. I don't agree with everything Representative Dean Phillips believes. For example, he's pro-choice and I am pro-life. But I do believe in what he said about our country being united and getting together. I can agree with some things that some government officials say, and I can disagree with other things. But we can show respect for our government officials. We can show union even behind those. We don't necessarily agree with everything they say. We can also show respect even for those that we don't agree with in our daily lives, our family, our boss, our coworkers. And that is the type of union that this country needs desperately. Yes! So this is my message to you. Our country needs to be more united. Our country needs to get together. We need to show a different face to the world. And Representative Dean Phillips said it very well. So coming up in just a few moments, we're going to get to some funny segments. We're going to talk about some interesting thoughts behind our election. In our poli-sci for the normal guy segment, we're going to talk about election 2024, how our election works, how the presidential election works, what the electoral college means, what the congressional and senatorial elections mean, and some certain races that you might want to look for. So stay with us. That's coming up next.
Thank you for rejoining us for Lefty Lucy, Righty Tidy, a Texan caught in the middle. I am Craig Allen. I am your host and I have a political science degree from a very well-respected institution here in the United States of America. It is one of America's most highly respected liberal arts colleges, Southwestern University in Georgetown, Texas. This degree has allowed me to travel across the world and learn about politics. I have been to Europe and in Britain. If you want more about my background, you can listen to the introductory podcast, which has more about that. I've also been an intern at the Texas State House. I worked in political elections. I've helped people run for Congress, for judge, for various institutions, for Senate. And I've even met a president of the United States and spoken with him. I have learned politics from the backside the underside, the grassroots side, and also at the highest levels and why it's important. And in this segment called Poli Sci for the Normal Guy or Girl, we just like the name of it because it rhymes. We are going to talk about election 2024 and how elections work and getting on to the Electoral College. Very, very important in this country to how power is divided up. That's why the Electoral College is very, very important. So it helps divide the power base across our country, but also why we vote for Congress, for Senate, for different state elections, for different local and community elections. It divides power all across our country. So power is not concentrated in one place because as every political scientist know, absolute power corrupts absolutely. And the more power is concentrated in one place to one person, which is fascism, the more that power corrupts absolutely. If you want to look at Hitler, if you want to look at Saddam Hussein, if you want to look at some of the worst fascists in our history, you can see the evidence of that, which is why the United States works so well. We have mayors, we have governors, we have senators, and power is not centered at the office of the presidency, although it is very important office in our land. In voting for Congress and the Senate, we also vote for people in the House. That is the congressional side. In each district, they are elected for only two years. This forces them to essentially keep running for office all the time. They must stay close to their people. They must stay close to their electorate. They must know what's going on in their districts. They must be careful and listen to people. You will find that you'll be able to talk to your congressperson more than you will be able to talk to anyone. Each state gets a number of representatives based on the census, and it's reallocated every 10 years based on the census to each district. And we vote for senators at a state level. Each state gets two senators, and they are elected for six years. So their position is a lot more secure. They're not constantly running for elections. So they have a little more power, a little more status, separation from the people. So maybe they make judgments more based on what they see as what's right and what's good rather than what's popular necessarily, which helps broaden the outlook of our country. And it also helps balance the power between the Senate and the House. And the Senate rubber stamps what the House does. Geographically small states like Rhode Island or less populated states like Wyoming, Alaska, North Dakota, South Dakota, they get more power this way because each state has two senators. So whether you have very little land or very little population, you still get two senators, the same as Texas, California, Florida, New York, which has a lot of land and a lot of population. So these become very important factors in how our country balances itself 
important races coming up in this next 2024 election, just keeping those things in mind. Of course, we have the presidency. Why is the presidency so important? Why is that the big one? The president oh kind of stamps everything. Whatever Congress does, whatever they decide, the president has to sign the bill and sign it into law or he they can actually choose not to sign it and leave it alone for 30 days and it still becomes law. Ooh. Presidential states that are going to be most necessary to watch in this next election are Georgia, where it was really tight the last time and it came down to a lot of hard counting of the votes. Trump disputed this counting of the votes. I do not dispute it. I believe that the election was counted correctly. This state will be critical in this next election. It is now a purple state. It used to be once a reliably red state. A red state is a wow, generally right. Republican or conservative leaning state. A blue state is a generally more liberal or Democrat leaning state. Yes. A purple state is one that is kind of in the middle. A state that go red or blue. And and those states are the ones that sort of carry each presidential election. Those are the states that the president has to visit the most if they want to be elected. And so in Michigan, there's going to be some really tight races all the way down the line from not just the presidency, but all the way down. Oh. In Minnesota, the same thing, Wisconsin. And then we get to the key state, what I believe will be the key state. And I believe it's somewhat slipping away from Democrats. And that is Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania was once a keystone blue state, but it is now I really slipping you. away. All of the Midwest was once this solid blue territory because it was all generally run by labor unions and labor unions pushed out the vote for the Democrats. But Trump came in and change that math as well as some other movements. Some of the unions and some of the blue collar workers have moved steadily to the Republican Party and that has changed the math. For Biden, he is going to have to carry Nevada. He needs to carry North Carolina, Colorado, Washington, Oregon, if he is the nominee. And at this point, I'm not sure about that. I'm not sure that he has the stamina to make it that far. Looking further, there are three other states that generally have been purple states in a lot of elections, Ohio, Florida, New Hampshire, that are no longer looking so purple. Ohio and Florida have turned red, and I think they're going to be solidly red. I'm not even looking at swing states in this election. And New Hampshire is looking more and more blue, a solid uh, left. And it used to be one of the very regular purple states every year that you could look at, and it is no longer doing that. So those will be the critical key states in this election process. I will tell you, because of Biden's failings, because of the difficulty that he's having, I think he's going to have trouble in every single one of those states. Probably the best chance he's got out of all the ones that I listed is North Carolina. But we will see. So looking at some races in the Senate and the House. Well, let's talk about one thing first. Biden's approval rating is in the toilet. Polls show that the country is very unhappy. Inflation's high, border crisis. His foreign policy problems are leading to very difficult problems for his reelection. He's elderly. He's not showing strength as a leader. And that may trickle what we call down the ballot. He doesn't have what we call in political circles coattails, meaning if you think about the back of a gentleman's coat where the tails hung down the back of the coat. He doesn't 
extend down the ballot yes! to his Senate elections, to his congressional elections, and that could make them trouble. Also, to even if you think about it, the gubernatorial races, uh, races for governor, uh, races for other uh, maybe state House races or state Senate races. And so it will be very interesting to watch as state assemblies will be elected all across the country. Some important races to watch. California is going to be interesting this time. Oh. Some interesting races to look at there. There's a race to replace Dianne Feinstein as the senator. Dianne Feinstein, God rest her soul, uh, died uh, just this year. And the race to replace her as senator. Now, it's looking solidly blue, but when you have a death or you have some kind of situation where it's an open race, which is what this is, then it throws everything into it could be anybody's race. Mm. We have some other interesting house races like Michelle Steele, David Valadeo, and Young Kim. Oh, They're looking good with their war chests. A war chest is how much money they're raising from their uh, donors, from their backers, from the people who want them to be elected, maybe even from the other side in some cases. And they're looking really strong. And they're Republicans who need to hold their seats. Some interesting Democrats who may be facing strong challenges out in California. Uh, One of them is Mike Levin. And that will be an interesting race to watch. In other states, there's going to be some critical Senate races all across the country. The only tough race might even be possible for the Republicans on the Senate side is in Texas with Ted Cruz. He faced a tough race the last time, but he won it. And it really didn't push him that much. The Uh. election before that, he faced a really tough race and it was three point race. (gasps) And now he won't face the same combatant. So I don't think Ted Cruz is in as much trouble as even some people wish he was. And I think that's the only critical Senate race for the Republican side. On the Democrat side, there's a bunch. There's a laundry list. And the Democrats only hold the Senate right now with a very slim majority, a couple of seats. If you have a, a major flip anywhere, you know, one or two seats, the Republicans would gain control of the Senate. And if you had a full power election where a president was really liked, they would have coattails and those would trail down to their Senate and House races. I don't think we're going to have that here because it looks like it's going to be Trump versus Biden and both of them have negative popularity. The coattails won't exist. So that makes the House and Senate races even more interesting Mm. to look at. Critical Senate races will be Joe Manchin in West Virginia. He may or may not run. He might run for president. We've talked about him earlier in the show, but he could face a tough challenge from a Republican because West Virginia is now a red state, used to be a solidly blue one. In Ohio, Sherrod Brown. In Arizona, Kristen Sinema, who changed from being a Democrat to an independent. She may face a left-wing Democrat challenger. She will face a Republican challenger. And that's gonna throw that race into all kinds of craziness. In Nevada, Nevada is now becoming a solidly purple state when it used to be a solidly blue state. There's going to be an interesting challenge there. In Montana, John Tester, he's faced challenges before and survived them, but he may face an interesting challenge this time. In Wisconsin, Tammy Baldwin is going to be a tough challenge. Wisconsin is a state that is teetering on the brink of leaning red. That is why she is facing a tough challenge as a Democrat. Bob Casey in Pennsylvania, that is a critical one for Democrats. And I believe Pennsylvania is 
moving to the right. Ah. I believe we could be looking at plus five, plus 10, even on the presidential side. And if that's the case, that could put Bob Casey in real trouble. And then also in Michigan, again, we have an open seat because there is a retiring Democratic senator there. That again throws that race into any person's territory. So that's some interesting races to watch there. There's some other interesting house races to watch. Certainly in Colorado, there's a Republican, Boebert. Um, She has been facing all kinds of challenges before, and Colorado is a state that has been trending more to the left, more to the blue side. Used to be a solidly purple state. It was once a red state historically, then it went purple. Now it is definitely trending towards the left, towards the blue side. Some other Republican spots that could be in trouble, but as of right now, still are looking okay. There were some surprise elections in 2022, uh, four or five of them in New York that could see some challenges from Democrats there. Democrats will definitely see some challenges in New York as well, though, in two other races. So that could sort of balance that out. I don't see at this point the Republicans losing a big net in New York. They might lose a seat or two, but I think, if anything, they could even pick up a seat. It's possible. Democrats will also face uphill battles in Pennsylvania, North Carolina, Michigan, Texas, Ohio, and Colorado in the House. And that is where I think Biden's coattails, if he doesn't have them, is going to get him in real trouble. Most of the dirt, when you look at this election 2024, most of the dirt has been spread on Donald Trump. The dirty tapes, all the divorces and the affairs or whatever else you want to talk about, everything's been spread on him. And if it is Donald Trump who is the nominee, which I am not hopeful for, but if it is presidential hopeful Donald Trump, who is, again, presidential hopeful Donald Trump on the Republican side, he is now sort of lost any chance of them coming up with extra dirt. Although, in just a moment on this next segment, I'm gonna talk about something they might be able to use against him. But this is why Biden's in trouble. This is why he is looking like a doomed candidate to me. He's got all kinds of problems from the border to the foreign policy to inflation and all sorts of things. And you have a fully fleshed out Donald Trump who refreshing himself as he finishes off his Republican challengers. Now, there's a couple of Republicans still out there that could come after him, and that's DeSantis and Haley, and we'll see how that works out. So, in this next segment, which I call Campaign in the Membrane, that is the moment when a person's campaign either falls apart or something happens that a candidate's momentum stops or shifts or they have to backtrack or they have to talk about problems. And Donald Trump ran into one of those moments. Donald Trump commented on the horrible attacks that Hamas inflicted upon Israel last week. And at a political rally on October the 11th, this is what Trump said. He said that Hezbollah was indeed very smart, (laughs) quote unquote. He also criticized Netanyahu for letting us down us as the United States in 2020 during raids and for not being prepared before this attack with Hamas. Now, he's been criticized both from his Republican combatants that are running against him. He's also been 
lambasted from the left. But I think this is political fodder that Biden may save for the general election where he's gonna throw out some of this stuff. The key critical message here that really shouldn't have been said was Hezbollah was very smart. We don't wanna say anything good about a no. organization that you could compare to Hitler or you could compare to some of the horrible things that were done during the Holocaust or other horrible things that have happened in our past. This may not destroy him now. This may not bring him out of the presidential race. In fact, I don't believe it will. It may not even keep him from running for president as the Republican nominee, but it will be brought back up during the general election and Biden may beat the table with it, depending on how this Israel war goes. And it could hurt him in layers that at this point, we might not even understand. It could hurt him as the primary goes along if one of the candidates begins beating this point. I think it'd be smart of them to do that. Anyway, that's our segment on campaign in the membrane. Donald Trump will need to figure out a way to come out from under this. And I'm sure that he has some smart people looking at this right now. Coming up in a moment, we will wrap up with a funny segment or two, and we will talk about next week's program. So please stay with us. Thanks, everyone. We are back. I am Craig Allen, and this is our last segment of the show. We are going to talk about so many fun things to end the show today to give you a little burst of maybe something different. Since there's been so much negativity and war and all sorts of terrible things that have happened in the press in this past week. So let's turn all that off and let's turn on something completely different. Let's talk about our honorary tinfoil hat nut job hot off the presses moment of the week. And this week, we're going to talk about something political related to our politics. Who's your bestie? Do you have a bestie? I have a bestie, probably a few besties, actually. I don't really have one 
particular bestie. But apparently President Trump has a bestie. The guy running against him, maybe. Chili boy. <laughs> this week, RFK, that is Robert Kennedy, the son of the famous Kennedy family member, who was the attorney general in the 60s, who was the brother of John F. Kennedy, who was assassinated. Both of them were assassinated. He is running for president now as an independent. He was running against Biden, jumped out of the Democratic Party, and now he's running for president as an independent. He has some right-wing views. He has some left-wing views, but uh, he's been a... Democrat most of his life, and most of his views lie on the left. Yes. But he has said a few right-wing things, and Trump has come out and said of him that he likes him. Happy slappy. Quote, I like him a lot. I've known him for a long time. And I find it interesting that he loves his nemesis in the campaign. RFK, on the other hand, has said he is the spoiler, but his intention is really not to necessarily spoil it in the way that people think. He says, my intention is to spoil it for both of them, for both Biden and Trump, and he wants to win. So we'll see how that goes. The conspiracy behind this, the reason why this turns into a nut job conspiracy is because his own siblings are against him. Four of them came out against him. He distrusts COVID-19 vaccines. That's a big reason why a lot of the Democrats are against him and why he was running so poorly in the Democrat side of the caucus. Uh, Joe Biden has not jumped in and commented since he announced his independent run. And the Democrats have largely been silent. They think RFK is going to take votes from Trump. But is he? This is going to be the interesting thing. So there's conspiracy theorists on the right. Oh my gosh, he's going to take votes from Trump. There's a few conspiracy theorists on the left. Oh my gosh, he's going to take votes from Biden. Maybe he's going to take votes from both. Maybe it's just going to even out. But it's going to be an interesting thing to watch. So that's our honorary tinfoil hat moment of the week. We're going to jump on to our next segment, our last segment of the day before our wrap up. And we're going to talk about our Dan Quayle moment of the week. And this is not this week that this moment happened. It was actually last month. But since this is our first episode, we're going to go a little bit off of that moment of the week thing. And we're going to go to last month. I found this to be... Both funny and sad, Uh, Joe Biden at the Legislative Black Caucus, he began to talk about LL Cool J. Now, I don't know how well he knows LL Cool J, but he began to talk about him. But when he was announcing him, when he was speaking of his name, he said LLJ Cool J (laughs) and missed his name completely. Then he called him a boy, which is not what you do for a black man. Maybe you can do that for a kid of any age, but not a black man. That is a racist comment. LL Cool J is 55 years old. He's older than me. And he's been making albums going all the way back to the 80s. He's a brilliant actor. I don't know if you've seen him act, but I have. And there's several movies that I'm really fond of. He's just a great entertainer in general. Yes. President Biden was called out for it from both sides. So I think this is going to hurt him, but it was an awful gaffe. In the words of Obama, in fact, in the words of President Biden himself, you can count on him to mess up once a speech. You can count on him to always mess things up. 
I won't use Obama's language, but it's always a thing for him to blow it. <laughs> and this is another case of that. Well, thank you for listening. For all of you who have pulled up the podcast, look for it again on these same platforms. I am trying to get it on further platforms. So look around if you don't find it on your favorite one yet. It may be there next week. Thank you again, though, for listening. I want to thank my favorite announcer, Will J. He's awesome. Hope you enjoy that part of it. Hope you enjoy the comedy and looking forward to next week. We're going to look at our poli sci for the normal guy segment in it. We're going to talk about foreign policy. We're going to talk about the Israeli war in particular, because that is such an important part of what is going on in our election right now. We're going to talk about why Europe seems somewhat silent on this whole thing. Why aren't the press or anyone else putting any responsibility on them? And what are we doing as an ally? Why aren't we more of an ally or less of an ally? The politics of foreign wars is what we're going to discuss in general. Yippee! We'll also have some fun. We'll have some funny quotes, maybe a quote or two here or there. Touchdown! And in our Greatest American Heroes segment, we're going to honor someone I believe is the greatest president in the history of the United States. So join us then and you'll find out who that is. Thank you again, all of you who make this show fun. 